Hi, I'm Lisa McKee, Marketing Director, Asia-Pacific O&M Halyard, and you're listening to the Halyard Education Podcast Series. COVID-19 has fueled unprecedented demand for personal protective equipment, inviting the industry to look more closely at issues of supply, quality and cost. In this podcast series, we're going to do exactly that. And for this episode, we're turning our attention to gloves. Are you using the right one? Do we have enough of them? How can we make more of them? And how can we use them more effectively? To discuss these questions and more, I'm joined by Greg Metcalf, Global Director for Gloves and Apparel at O&M Halyard, and my co-host for today, Ty Bouvier, Marketing Manager for PPE Asia Pack at O&M Halyard. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. Greg, before I move forward and specifically ask you some questions about the glove market, can you tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about the experience and how you ended up becoming the Halyard Gloves Guru? <laughs> I've been in uh, the healthcare market for about half of my 30-year career. Initially, I, I was heavily focused on manufacturing and business strategy. And about the last eight years, I've been managing the gloves and protective apparel businesses. I still love the manufacturing aspect, and to that end, I typically visit Asia three to four times a year to meet with our gloves manufacturing team in southern Thailand, as well as our third-party manufacturing partners. So, Greg, thinking specifically about gloves, with the COVID-19 infection rates continuing to climb globally, and with some regions already seeing a second wave, can you talk us through how this is impacting the supply of gloves? That is a key question, Ty. I recently saw an interview with a CEO of a Malaysian-based manufacturer, glove manufacturer, who estimated that gloves demand was two to three times normal. Now, demand is expanding beyond its traditional base of hospitals, physicians, and dental offices uh, into non-traditional users such as restaurants, retailers, and manufacturers who are trying to protect their employees. This is really providing a much more expansive demand than the market is prepared to, to address. So I guess I really have to ask the obvious question, is supply able to keep up with demand? The short answer is no. Typically, the glove industry operates at about 90% capacity, meaning they can absorb about a 10% spike in volume, plus any new capacity they bring on during the year, which is typically targeted to keep pace with the with a normal 6 to 10% volume growth. So if you think about demand growing two to three times normal, and at best capacity is growing at 20%, you can see that there's going to be a significant shortfall of capacity to meet demand. So there are multiple varieties of gloves that are used in healthcare. We've got surgical, exam, vinyl, sterile. Does this supply challenge apply to all categories of gloves? It has impacted all categories of gloves but more so nitrile due to its clinical advantages uh, in combination with what's normally its reasonable cost. I have even heard instances recently of clinicians using surgical gloves due to the exam glove shortage. But it's important to note that surgical gloves are typically 17 times more expensive than exam gloves. Clearly a very constrained supply landscape and significant incremental demand. How's this actually impacting the cost to healthcare facilities? Costs have increased tremendously. In normal times, the primary driver of costs is raw materials 
like nitrile or natural latex and currency movements. Well, we are seeing nitrile material cost increases the past two months. They're still really just moving closer to 2019 levels. So that's not been the key driver. We've also seen costs that are being passed on related to uh, adapting the work environment to protect workers from COVID-19. And we certainly support that. But truly, the, the overwhelming impact is simply supply and demand and the entrance of a, a lot of non-traditional players entering the market and bidding glove prices up. So, Greg, if you're a betting man, when do you think cost increases will start to plateau or even return to something that resembles normal? That is the key question. And unfortunately, I don't know the answer to it. Unfortunately, I don't think it'll be in a month or two. I fear demand will remain sustained until the virus is contained worldwide, whether that's through a vaccine or through preventative measures. At some point, I believe non-traditional users, you know, the retailers and, and restaurants, et cetera, will revert back to previous practices. But I think large developing countries like China and India, their usage will remain elevated relative to the past, which means prices may not return to previous levels although I do think they will subside from current levels. So focusing a little more on this supply challenge, it's clear some facilities have been able to source additional glove volume. If supply is ultimately constrained, how are they managing to do this? What dynamic is at play in terms of allocating stock in the market? That is a key question, Lisa. People are doing that through what they call the spot market. What has happened is manufacturers have held their traditional customers like O&M Halyard to 100% of its historic usage. That excess capacity and new capacity has been sold to the spot market. Spot market prices are typically three to six times higher than normal prices. So that's where people are able to get additional product, but at an extremely high price. So how does it leave base business or existing customers? And you know, what about contracts that are in place? So the traditional players such as O&M Halyard, we continue to get our historic usage. And so it's really just the excess um, that we would typically access ourselves and, and, and help our customers out is now being turned over to the spot market and to these non-traditional players that are bidding up the prices. In terms of the contracts, Let's just say that adherence to contracts is a bit questionable at this juncture. So it really leaves existing suppliers scrambling to service their customers and provide the right incremental volume to service current needs. That's correct. And uh, that's where really the strength of your supply chain comes into into play. And at the outset of the, the crisis, we've really focused on ensuring that our existing customer base continues to receive 100% of their allocation. And to date, we've been successful in being able to manage that. So Greg, if I start to think about all of our customers and where they're needing some extra volume, one of the challenges when a product is in such short supply is that you can just take whatever you can get. And we've seen this in other categories. So what should you be looking for when you're choosing a glove to ensure that the quality is acceptable? I think users should still insist on using gloves that meet the requirements that their country has set. The standards are there for a reason, to protect the healthcare worker. A glove that has pinholes or easily breaks, exposing the healthcare worker to the danger it's meant to protect against is highly troubling. 
So stick to those meeting your regulating body's requirements. Here in the U.S., that's the FDA, which has set minimum strength, stretchability, uh, and thickness standards, as well as acceptable quality levels. Is there a difference in quality depending on the country of manufacture? There is, and not necessarily because there's anything inherently bad about being made in any one country or the other, but some countries like Thailand and Malaysia, which are really the leaders in the industry, have been making gloves for decades. And they started with the latex uh, industry back in the 70s and then in the 80s, certainly, as, as the AIDS crisis struck. And then they led the way into nitrile manufacturing with the synthetic to avoid the allergy that are inherent with latex gloves. And it's really just that experience and the continued advancement and the investment in engineering and R&D where the Malaysians and, and Thais have really become the leaders in the industry. Now, there's been significant investment in other countries like China and Vietnam, but some things just come with time and uh, experience is certainly one of those things. And uh, so there is a distinct difference, in my opinion, in, in terms of the quality of, of work gloves are made. So, Greg, we generally don't ponder what goes into manufacturing gloves. I believe the key raw materials are acrylonitrile and butadine, both of which are byproducts of the petroleum processing industry. With the increasing demand for gloves, will the production of raw materials actually be able to keep up? That is a good question, Lisa. The majority of nitrile is produced in Taiwan and South Korea. And in the short term, the capacities of the two industries are fairly well balanced. However, the capacity ramp of nitrile glove manufacturers is set to accelerate more rapidly than that of the nitrile raw material producers. So that would seem to provide challenges to further expanding glove production over the medium term until the uh, nitrile production uh, catches up with the glove production. But in the long term, things will balance out. There will be the investment made in the nitrile production. Are you aware of processes at play to increase overall supply in the gloves market? There is. There's actually a tremendous amount of investment occurring today. The uh, And we're seeing it really across uh, different aspects of the the region. Really, the the traditional base, the, the Thailand, Malaysia base, we, we do see expansion there in both of those countries. But what I will tell you is the most significant capacity expansion, new capacity that we're seeing today is, is really coming out of China. Very um, significant amounts of, of capacity being added, which may change the, the, the market dynamics over time. Uh, today, China supplies somewhere around 10 to 12 percent of the global supply. You could see that over time, perhaps doubling, uh, and that would certainly change the dynamics of the marketplace because uh, there's estimates that there's over 400 manufacturers in, in the gloves industry. And so we thought there'd be, over time, a natural consolidation of that many players. But what we're seeing with this crisis is really new entrants coming into the market again. And so, and actually an expansion of, of manufacturers. And so I think there will be an attempt to try and, and, and uh, keep up as, as best possible through capacity expansion uh, with the, the soaring demand. But of course, today that will be impossible to do. But two, three years from now, there will be an equal, equilibrium that is reached. Do you think there'll be any substitute raw materials that will start to emerge? That's 
Something I've heard some thought around lately is that uh, latex gloves may make a bit of a resurgence, given that some manufacturers' equipment can be modified to produce uh, latex gloves as well as nitrile gloves. But of course, that does bring along the drawbacks of latex gloves, uh, which is, as you know, the potential for severe type 1 allergic reactions. Something for our customers to watch out for if they see that as available capacity, just with concerns over occupational health and safety of their healthcare workers. So Greg, that leads us quite nicely into an area that I wanted to ask around clinical practice. Do you have any hints or tips on how our customers can use their gloves more efficiently or allocate them more effectively so that they can maintain their supply? That's an important question, Ty. So I think the key to preservation is to wear gloves when you anticipate customer interactions or fear risk of potential exposure. Follow your protocols. At the end of the day, it still really comes down to hand hygiene. Gloves are not a replacement for good hand hygiene. There are also solutions that some manufacturers have offered really in the in the dispensing area where products come out more regulated, meaning they don't fall on the floor and get wasted and things of that nature. And I would uh, encourage you to pursue those avenues as well as a means of conserving your precious PPE. What about practices such as double gloving? Is there a way to use a cheaper glove or a, or a different quality glove as your inside glove? Have you thought of any tricks or hints around how you might optimize practice so that you're improving your protection levels while still complying? Again, I would highly recommend that you follow your regulating body's standards and requirements and not consciously move to a cheaper glove just because it's a cheaper glove if you don't feel confidence in, in, in its use. But to the extent that you do have a glove that you feel perhaps less confidence in, then I would highly suggest that you use that as your underglove. So Greg, thinking about how prevalent COVID is in the US, have you witnessed any changes to the clinical practice? We have seen some protocol changes requiring the wearing of PPE, including gloves, when interfacing with patients, uh, especially in the intake areas of the hospital. So whereas gloves have always been uh, high on the protocol list, uh, I think that we're seeing really a stricter adherence to existing protocols, uh, given the seriousness of the disease and, and the ease with which it is spreading. So I guess I always have to ask, do you have any hints or tips for safe donning and doffing of gloves that you could pass on? It's something where you really need to follow the established guidelines that are set forth by entities like the Center for Disease Control. There is videos that to help you along to show you the proper techniques. You should never be putting your, your skin in direct contact with a potentially contaminated glove, and uh, as well as the, the proper doffing. I also encourage you to make sure that you're also following proper disposal protocols. So, Greg, can you give us a glimpse into the future of gloves post-COVID? Yeah, it's not going to go back to what it was. I think some, some aspects of the industry will go back to what it was, and by that I mean non-traditional users. So, We've got folks like uh, retailers, we've got restaurants, we've got manufacturers, hair salons, uh, a lot of folks that are using gloves today that didn't use gloves six months ago. I think that usage will revert back to traditional practices, meaning non-usage. The big change is going to be these large countries 
where they have changed their practices and moved closer to Western standards. And by that, I mean countries like China and, and India, where their usage per person has traditionally been in the three to five gloves per person range. And you compare that to Western standards, where in Europe, a typical usage is 150 gloves per person, uh, or in uh, the United States, uh, typical usage is 250 gloves per person. I don't think China and India are going to get to those levels, but given the size of those countries, their usage simply going to say 15 or 20 gloves per person per year, just that alone is going to have a significant ripple in the gloves industry, and uh, which is going to mean the need for much more production capability and capacity which means that there's going to be continued heightened demand for gloves for many years to come. That certainly sounds like quite a lot of gloves. Do you think that we will be better prepared for a pandemic again in the future? Today, I would say yes. And uh, the reason I say that is obviously the heightened awareness and also uh, the investments that a number of, of hospitals and governmental entities are making in terms of stock creating stockpiles that, uh, for usage. So I would say in the next one to two years, absolutely. I think the question is really going to be three years from now and five years from now, um, when this incident is you know a bit more of a in our past and and not necessarily at the forefront of our minds. But I guess we'll see what the future holds. Interesting space. Very interesting. Greg, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge of the PPE industry and in particular, the incredible dynamics at play in this volatile glove market in which we're operating. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast, Lisa and Ty. It's been great talking with you today and I always love talking about gloves, so thank you. Okay, so some key takeaways from our discussion with Greg. Most definitely, it appears supply will remain constrained for the foreseeable future with more non-traditional competitors wanting access to gloves and certainly some clinical practice changes within the Asian markets with simply more gloves being used. And I'd say prices will stay elevated for quite some time, Ty. Absolutely, Lisa. And uh, for me, just hearing that the manufacturers are starting to expand to really try and address uh, the increasing demand from the market, whether it's traditional customers or new customers that are coming into the market, pushing up that demand. And I think the final one for me would also be the reminder to adhere to standards around protecting your staff and the vigilance around making sure that you've got the correct donning and doffing techniques and to make sure that you're protecting your staff. Indeed. Well, thanks for joining and listening to our inaugural podcast, keeping you up to date with the PPE market across the Asia-Pacific region. Don't miss our second podcast on the role of face masks and the importance of selecting the right mask during a pandemic. And for more information, you can always visit halyardhealth.com.au. I'm Lisa McKee, and we'll see you next time. Halyard has a proud history of partnering our innovative clinical products with in-service training, customer support, clinical research, and education to enable healthcare workers to remain at the forefront of best practice and industry trends. If you are an existing Halyard customer, visit halyardeducationfoundation.com.au 
and register to access our online education. If you have any questions about Halyard's innovative product line, please contact our customer care team or your Halyard representative. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy nor position of any other agency, organisation, employer or company. It's important healthcare customers consider their own standards and not hold these views in perpetuity.